Third Degree, the podcast is brought to you by Soccer90.com. Check out all the latest FC Dallas, North Texas, and U.S. Men's National Team gear, including the FC Dallas One Planet kit, this year's new Adidas parlay kit made out of recycled material. Uh, what a great way to uh, help take care of the planet. You should recycle the waste in a kit. You can get that in both youth and adult sizes. Use code Third Degree at checkout to get 20% off your entire order. Some exclusions may apply. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to episode 207 of Third Degree, the podcast. It me, Peter. And today we are without Dan Crook. What? I know. I think he has uh, departed our shores to head back to his motherland to eat bland food and attend exciting lower division football matches. So uh, good luck to him and his beard and his wife. And I hope they have a great time. But instead, you are stuck with just me and your hero, my hero, everybody's hero, editor, founder of thirddegree.net and all things good in the world, Buzz Carrick. Come in, Buzz. Hi, Peter. Thanks for joining me on this beautiful day. It is a beautiful day. Man, we've had a good run of weather of late, have we not? Yeah, the last four or five days have been really nice. Uh, it's uh, going to be fun tonight, too, with the U.S. national team playing tonight after we're recording this podcast. You will you won't hear this podcast till after the game, but uh, still, it'll be fun for us tonight to watch the U.S. play Mexico. I know. It's a weird world we live in where you have to have an HBO Max account to watch your national team play soccer, but... It also is a game that has absolutely zero zero meaningless value and is essentially a largely a waste of everybody's time. So if you don't get to watch the game because you don't have HBO Max, then you, you probably aren't going to end up missing much, I would predict. And since we last talked, uh, we, there was the change before we get into results of the game. We, uh, we, uh, we do need to mention that uh, uh, Paul Ariola uh, was recalled back because of uh, hamstring stuff and Paxton Pomacall got a call up uh, along with Jesus. So that's uh, I guess there's something good in there. Yeah, obviously, that's fantastic to see Paxton get recalled. He's been playing really well lately, so I, I think it's great. Yeah, he was great on uh, Saturday night. Paxton, in my mind, was uh, epic in this match. He was all over the place. Uh, that really is the best of Paxton Pomacall uh, in that particular game. Right, Buzz? Oh, yes. I would agree completely. Well, uh, I'll start there. I've got other places to go, but since you brought up Paxton sure. Wedens, just start with his kick-ass performance. No, we'll start with him. And I think, for me, now, look, you can you can throw a lot of stats out there about how good he was. Uh, he had a whole lot of touches, uh, you know, 36 carries, which was, the, I think, first on the team at eight progressive, a whole bunch of recoveries. He passed at a really high rate. He had some good long balls. But not all those stats are just like, okay, those are Paxton always does. For me, the the difference is something that I think doesn't show up in pure numbers. You'll, it only shows up if you're watching and you've watched him for a long time and know what kind of player he is and you know how he has, over the years, in my opinion, almost run himself into the ground. What the, what's changing in Paxton, and we're watching it change in front of us, is his wisdom about the game is changing. When to expand himself, when to go, when not to go. He's not there yet, but he's making big strides in the right direction. And <laughs> He's covering a ton of ground a ton still. Of ground still, which is good because that's, that's what makes him good is his ability to do that. But you read the game and know when to do it so that in the 90th minute, you can make that play where he got in behind and made that silky 
bring down of the ball and took it to the corner. Oh yeah. That whole sequence was just so good in terms of wisdom of the game, uh, learning how to control and and just overall his game control is vastly improving this season. That's the new progression for this young man. And again, he's not there yet, but he's making great strides in this way. Uh, and I, and I thought, and that for me is the most, the part that gives me the most excitement watching him play is these small steady and, and, and now starting to be obvious that these moments of understanding like that one late that was so good. Yeah, that uh, touch oh. that he had in the corner late in the game yeah. was dead sexy, and I think uh, that is sexier than I think he thinks his mustache is. When he <laughs> it's it way out. sexier than the mustache. Yes, uh, although yeah. he's got a uh, anyway. I'll, I'll, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let me get back to how I originally intended to get into FC Dallas Two Real Salt Lake One, which was uh, I'm uh, look. I'm going to try really hard here to put on my Bambi Thumper hat. And, you know, as they told Thumper, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything. So (laughs) I'm just going to say, yay, Dallas won. Yeah, well, they did win uh, two to one. But um, this was just about the most boring game I've ever seen. For 85 minutes, it was just absolutely awful, awful soccer. Watching two teams play a mid-block against each other, neither one that pressed at a high percentage, neither one necessarily wanting the ball back, just lollygagged the ball around the infield for 85 minutes. It was absolutely awful to watch. Uh, and But again, in the end, what matters is a win went into the scorecard, went into the standings, because they don't show in the standings how pretty it was. All it shows is the points. Uh, and that's something that this team in the past has struggled with and now is actually getting a little better at grinding out uh, numbers and points and, and giving themselves moving up the standings. Okay. Dan's not here. So I guess this is going to have to be for, to make this uh, podcast episode entertaining. I'll, I'll have to at least play somewhat of the contrary in here. All right. But a, as the, uh, as the show pessimist uh, and somebody who last week uh, got uh, caught a little bit of slack for not being a hundred percent positive about mm. the thing. Uh, I I contend that this can, this game in particular continues to support my concern about the long term um, the the long term outcome of where this is headed at least for this particular season and I'm specifically concerned about the fact uh, of the performances from Paul Ariola and Legette over the not just in this game but over the course of the season I I just feel like something has changed with those guys but in this game Ariola dealing with some sort of hamstring thing and then of course poor Sebastian who's also uh, dealing with the fact that just a few hours prior to the start of the game, his fiance was uh, passively, aggressively dumping him on stage at Coachella. So uh, maybe I should give him a little bit of slack. But I do think there's something to be worried about there, Buzz. Where do you get your positivity from is what I need to understand. Well, I will agree with you. I think both those guys are not playing up to last year's standards. Um, Ariola's been struggling with that hamstring for several weeks now. They've been trying to nurse him through it rather than shutting him down. Uh, and I think Legette's probably getting closer to, you know, but again, I don't know the guy personally, so I couldn't possibly tell you how his mental state is, but I can't imagine that it was very good. And <laughs> hopefully it's, we'll see some progression soon, but my positivity about this team um, only comes from this sort of, uh, I don't know whether you call it this, re- this resiliency or this gumption or this, this grit they have in order to grind out 
some numbers, some grind out some results. And they've shown this under Coach Nico Steves last year too, and it's carried over to this year. Whether it be grind out a result on the road, whether it be grind out a horribly boring, awful game at home, you know, they're able to get these 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 points in the standings in the end. That's what really matters. But there's still a line here. There's a clear delineation between Dallas and fourth, who is the, you know, if you, if you will, the best of the rest versus the top three, all of whom have these goal differentials of nine points, 10 points, 11 points, and all have points for games over two, whereas Dallas leads the group that's under two in terms of points per game and only has this three goals against and, and is ahead of the guys that have two and one and so on and so forth. So there's, there's, a, there's a lack of top-end competition here, and speaking of the Western Conference now, um, but there's still an ability to get results and sometimes it's important to get results particularly when you have a game like this one where it wasn't just that it was boring dallas was awful i mean i know they scored two goals but they only had four shots period (laughs) and the two that were on goal were not saved and those are the two goals when you have four shots at home that's horrible yeah they got outplayed almost across the board by uh, uh real salt lake in almost every phase but yet the Dallas got the result, and that's sometimes that's what matters most. Sure, winning is is ultimately the goal, and and at this point, at the end of the season, uh, nobody's going to remember how they ended up beating Salt Lake on this particular night. But four shot, not just even not even four shots on goal, just four shots at home. Uh, is a, a continued problem, and I know there was some you know tactical changes in this. I was I got to tell you I. I was really, really disappointed in the performance by Jimenez. I was excited to see him get a start uh, at home like this, and I, I, I just, I don't know what I'm expecting out of that guy, but I, I just, I, I didn't. So far, um, not too excited about that. Well, Shocker. we talk a lot about yeah, this team uh, being good in transition. They're good when they are moving quickly, whether it be a build out from the back, getting forward quickly, or whether they're recovering in midfield or whether they do some kind of press and and get turn it over and then move quickly. Um, You know, he works well. Jimenez does particularly with Jesus when he and both of them are moving, they play well off each other. Well, in this game, the tactic clearly from Dallas was, especially once they went up a goal was to just sort of sit around in the midfield, right? (laughs) Two blocks against each other. So, you know, you're watching two guys not really move very much, um, you know, I, I don't think either Jimenez or Jesus had a good game other than the fact that Jesus scored. You know, neither one of those guys really did much for the team, you know, but then really no, neither did anybody else. They were content just to sort of hang around for most of it, which was, you know, we've seen this trend, I think, when Dallas thinks they're better than the other team, this particular version of SC Dallas thinks they're better than the other team, they can be flat. And I think once they scored that early goal, they're like, oh, we got this. And so they were kind of flat. Whether it's a conscious thing or a subconscious thing, I can't really say. Yeah, I, I really think a lot of it probably is subconscious, but you know, the, you do see the games when he is moving and they are counter attacking and they are, uh, you know, counter pressing and they are building quickly from the back. He and Jesus do interact well and work well together, but I don't think you can see him in as a guy that's going to score like 20 goals or anything. You know, if he were to get close to 10, I'd be amazed because he'll be probably more of a facilitator than he will an actual goal scorer in terms of whether it be direct assist or whether it just be helping the action happen. Well, let's get back to thinking about the good stuff. Uh, Geovane, Jesus. Giovane Jesus. Yeah. I look, I I think there's I think we all see that there is something interesting there from the guy. He just looks like an athlete. 
Um, and I know there are a lot of uh, Tuamasi fans that listen to this podcast. I'm a Tuamasi fan, but uh, it shouldn't come as a shock to everybody or anybody that a guy who came up through the system in Brazil uh, it may turn out to be a better option than a guy who came up through the college system in the United States, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, well, the there's there's one thing to say that 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 one that one player might be playing bad, but I don't think that's the case here. I think I don't think Ima Chomasi played badly no. when he was playing. But once Giovanni Jesus got in there, he has just played better, you know. And so sometimes in a competitive situation, when you have two guys going head to head for one spot, you just have a guy contributing more. I, yeah, but um, hold on. But let me let me yeah. say this, Buzz. I, I I don't mean that as a knock on yeah. Tuamase, meaning he came from the college system. I mean, he's done a lot, uh, you know, uh, coming from that setup, right? Because not a lot of guys make it this far uh, coming up through the college system anymore these days, right? I think that's fair to right. say. But yeah. I, I do think that there's a it's a it's a function of pedigree to some point. And, uh, I, you know, I, hey, the guy has come up through a, a, a pretty decent uh, Brazilian club situation yeah. and through their system. And I don't think it's I don't think we should all be surprised if he turns out to be a better option than Tuamase. That's all I'm trying oh. to say. Oh yeah, no, I would agree with that. I mean, uh, uh, Tuomasi is a generation Adidas player, you know, which meant that he was tagged early out of college, which is where the best players do come. But you know, he still was coming out of college, you know, at the same age or even older than Jesus Jimenez. Sorry, not Jesus Jimenez. Got my Jesus is cute. <laughs> Giovanni Jesus was Jesus too many was. Jesuses. Too many Jesuses. I know. Uh, too many. So little time. Um, you know, he's just twenty-one. Uh, you know, which in terms of like a global stage is not a, a, a baby by any means, but at the same time, you know, Tuomasi coming out of college still took two or three, you know, maybe it was even four seasons before he progressed into where he was a big part of the team, whereas Giovanni is stepping right in and adding a lot to the team. So, yes, it's a different level of pedigree. Yeah. I'm a little surprised that he's becoming this big a con- contributor this quickly. Um, but, you know, there, there there are some good and some bad on what he's doing. We, we shouldn't let the really good over see what the issues were and why he was took him so long to get in and some of the other issues still are. Like, for example, if you look at some of the metrics, Dallas did a thing on him today on the metrics, and you can see that some of them are, are trouble spots, including like individual pressuring, which means like he's not really playing much, you know, tight defense. He's kind of sitting off players, right? Mm-hmm. He's not, his passing percentage is actually quite low for an outside back. Now, some of that, of course, is because he's getting into the final third more than a lot of outside backs, but still, you know, when you're talking about 71 ish, two ish percent, that's not where you want it to be for an outside back. His ball progression is actually really poor, relatively speaking, which is ball progression is when you receive it and you actually move it up the field yourself. He's always just quickly passing it off or moving backwards. He's not dribbling. He's not doing any successful dribbling, relatively speaking. So while there are parts of it that are off the charts amazing, which is the crossing. And the and the and the percentages of the crossing and the the dispossession he does do when he does close down, you know, which is mostly happening higher up the field. Um, there, there's so many positives there that right now it's overcoming the negatives. I've talked a lot about these bad passes he's making in training that for some reason vanish in the game. He's apparently a big game heady kind of player where he steps it up a gear which is the total opposite of other guys we've seen that are sometimes even flat or worse when they get into a game. So mm-hmm. some positives with him there. I can't for the I can't even come close to telling you that he should now sit for any reason at all. He's definitely got that spot 
locked down until he starts making some massive mistakes, which I don't anticipate happening, given how he's not so far in the time he's gotten. Uh, and it's a drag for Tuomasi, but um, you know we're going to have to talk a lot about man management, and I'll talk about it later when we get to the training report, but there's going to be chances for Tuomasi this season just purely based on numbers, and we'll talk about why later. But um, you know, for now, it's going to be uh, Giovanni the whole way. Uh, and with Farfan on the other side, you actually now kind of feel, uh, you know, the attitude about this team in terms of its fullbacks when it's playing its traditional setup, you got to feel pretty good about because they're both decent defenders and good getting uh, forward as needed. Yeah, I don't think Farfan's as good as Giovanni getting forward. And Farfan did get beat on the goal the last uh, against RSL, so that wasn't good. But right, um, you know, it's funny that he was. But Buzz, the team he got of the team week. of the week nomination. Yeah. I was like, what in the world? Like, I thought he was just okay in this game, and then he got team of the week because he had the assist on the game winner. That's why he got team of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought there were games this year where he's been way better, and there have been some games where I thought he should have been team of the week, and he wasn't. You know, so uh, you know that team of the week thing is driven by numbers, kind of. So it's popularity you know, it's, contest, yeah. Buzz. It's goals and assists is what it is. So you know it. It is what it is. He, he deserves some recognition for his overall really strong season. This definitely wasn't one of his better games, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Right. But, uh, you know, you feel pretty healthy about your situation at outside back. Um, on both sides, you have two guys that can compete. Um, we're going to have to see Junka, too, coming up. You'll you'll see him somewhere eventually here. So okay. more than just for 20 minutes. Uh, I also want to – I think this is a good time to, to pause – Hey, you see what I'm about to do here? And uh, talk about the performance of our Dutch goalkeeper who uh, who had a, a largely stellar... I mean, it was funny. Somebody pointed this out that the uh, Real Salt Lake uh, social media video clip looked more like a Martin Paz highlight reel because uh, he, you know, he, he he stole some... He I thought he was the man of the match and I is not a good thing when you're at home, I uh, you know, when you're playing at home to have your goalkeeper man of the match, but definitely yeah. deserved. Well, he had four saves on the day and one of them was quite good. Um, the, fun, the reason that they were making fun of the social media is because RSL has a sponsored save of the game and their guy had no saves. So they went with a pause save ah. and, and tried to play it up. It was because it, it was, they did it because it was a great shot by their guy, which it was, and it was a great save, which it was, but it was funny that their guy had no saves. <laughs> so I've been in that, I've been in that boat in TV where that you have a save of the game sponsor and your keeper stinks. It's like, what do you do? Yeah, I, I'll. Uh, we can talk more about this a little bit later. But if you happen to be watching on the Apple subscription server, or you know MLS Season Pass, and you chose to listen to the local radio uh, call, you'll you, you're aware of the fact that Mark Dodd, the great, yes, not just any, but the great Dallas Burn original goalkeeper, Mark Dodd, yeah. was part of the analysis along with. Um, uh, with Steve and Owen, Owen. and uh, I, I, you know, I'll I'll talk more about that later. But it was really interesting to hear Dodd's reactions and thoughts about Mountain Paws, especially in real time when he was making those saves, because you could tell very genuinely in Mark's reaction to those two or three moments, he was like, "Okay, yeah, uh, that's pretty that's pretty spicy uh, work there by the kids." So it was uh, it was kind of cool to hear and 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 listen to that in real time. Yeah, the guy's a phenomenal shot stopper, and his reactions are fantastic. You know, the one weak spot he has, and the reason why I think he's in Major League Soccer, is that his feet are just okay. They're just average, which is the difference between being here and being at Real Madrid. Right. You know, or so Ajax. 
or whatever it is. Yeah. Playing for the Dutch national team. The one of, and you can evidence of that is that one of the press triggers was when Dallas was trying to build out of their own box. When, if you've watched enough Dallas this year, they're doing this split thing where the center backs drop on the outside of pause and they, so they can play laterally across the box with that ball if they want to. So when one of those center backs would pass back to pause in the box, that was one of the RSL press triggers, which is indicative of the fact that he's not super great with the ball at his feet under pressure. Neither are either one of those center backs. So that's a concern area in terms of the big picture going forward, particularly because that's one of the ways this team wants to play was the complete build from the back. So uh, again, this is major league soccer. No one's going to be a perfect player. The, the, the shot stopping, uh, the goal saving, the big saves when you need them in the big moments, the PK saves that he's really, really good at all those things. So, so overvalue this one small flaw, which so far, not that I can remember has not resulted in a goal like a direct giveaway from his feet. There've been some danger moments that have scared us, but I, I you know, big picture wise, it's 98% great with this little 2% problem. Let's move to the center backs. You had uh, Martinez and uh, Ibby out there. Uh, that was the first, that's, I guess that's the first time we've seen them since, was that opening game? Well, it was either opening or second game. It yeah. was really early in the season. Yeah. 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 I hated it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, I talked to coach. That was my opening question to coach was to grab him by the neck. and What are you doing? Not starting. Well, you know, part of it is man management. Again, there's, we'll, we'll talk about it more later, but um, it's load a little bit. Nikosi's played a lot since he came in a couple of games into the season. Um, also coach really wants all three of those guys to be constantly competing and for none of them to think like they have it made on lockdown and for none of them to be thinking they're out of the picture of those three. So some of it is just matchup. Some of it is the tactics. Some of it is rotation. Some of it is management of personalities and, and desire and things like that. And, you know, work effort uh, out of certain guys. So it's all part of it. And, and hopefully we're going to see Nikosi back. <laughs> Uh, this week, I really hope because I did not like that combo at all. Yeah, um, it, it's uh, it is a little bit clunky between the two and both of them because we've seen them both uh, fall victim to their own kind of yeah clum. I don't know if it's clum. I don't know. It's there's something about uh, they they both feel really uh, frightening in open space, um, uh, and uh, so I yeah. It's a it's a weird pairing. Uh, we talked about midfield. Uh, you know, we talked about uh, the forwards. Anything else about individual performances from this game you wanted to get into? Uh, you know, I think second straight game. I thought Facundo was basically fine. You know, solid. You know, he's the formation with, probably helps him. Formation helps a lot when you have the the when you when you're in a what is actually a four four two, even though it's a modern one. Those outside wing mids do slide back and play and cover a lot of the width. So he's not asked to be really mobile. Your your his role there is sort of a distributor from that spot. They're not asking him to dribble drive out of there. That's Paxson's back there with him to do that. You know, to do the dribble linking and the heavy work, the linking. You know, he's he's there to provide outlets. You know, solid from him. Um, I honestly think that. W- w- in my gut, in my soccer dome, I would start Edwin every game, even if it doesn't be a good matchup. I want Edwin to learn, so I want him in there every single time. 
But Facundo's doing perfectly acceptable work when he's in there. They're paying him a lot of money, load management-wise. Okay, fine for me. You know, they did win, so I don't have any complaints about him. Even though it's not what I would choose, I don't have any big complaints about him. All right, we have just one more time because it was such a good performance. Yay, Pax. Um, yeah, he was phenomenal. Do we yeah. really want him getting any time tonight with the national team? I'm really torn uh, yeah. over that. 20? Yeah, 20? Yeah, just minutes. 20 minutes? Okay. Yeah, I'd like to see him have a positive showing too, you know. He doesn't have to do any, score any goals or anything. Number one, I hope they use him in a real position and not like as a wing. Mm-hmm. That would be dumb. You know, use him as a box-to-box eight, you know, in a proper way. That would be nice to see him in there. My only other game comment I want to make is that um, as good as I thought Giovanni was, there were like four different occasions where the ball came to him where he was supposed to trap it and it squirted under his foot. The three of the times that he was up in an offensive sort of position, but one time he was in the back and I almost spit my Pepsi all over the place. <laughs> Although it's switched to Coke now that I say that, so that's not Pepsi anymore. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Yeah. Get right with the kid there. Oh, my. I'm not uh, sponsor now, am I? Yeah. No, no. Um, okay, uh, and then I think we also need to at least spend some time. I, it was funny. Uh, I spent some time talking about Bernard Camungo, which is, mm, uh, you yeah, know, I'm, everybody yeah. that listens to this pod totally is aware of the kid's story. It's so cool. It's great. It's it's really fun to be able to retweet the highlight of his moment in this game and point out the fact that it wasn't that long ago he was, you know, they spotted him playing high school soccer uh, it wasn't club soccer or academy. It was high school soccer <laughs> in Abilene, of all things. It's just a great story. Yeah. But I also, when the moment happened, in my head, I don't know why I have this impression in my head, but I went, oh, I'll be damned. Dallas did it again. They rolled out a homegrown for the first time in a home debut, and he scores. And I don't know if Jesus singularly has uh, built this narrative in my head, but for some reason in my head, there were multiple times where Dallas rolled out some kid in a in a home debut, and he scored for them in, in the game. But I guess this is only the second time it's happened. But well, I'll break your bubble even more. That wasn't his debut. Oh, that's right. He played. For, he but played but was his home? De- was it his home debut? No, it was at a home game last year. He he got in, um, and 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 remember we <sighs> talked about it at the end of last season. We were like, oh, we saw more in twenty minutes that O'Brien's done all year. Yeah. Remember we had that discussion. Man, why do you got to do that well, to me? I well, because you know facts and all stuff. Right. <laughs> but let's be real about it. Like you're right. Open tryout, kid. Right, legit open tryout. Like where his brother paid his way. He gets into North Texas, and over two seasons, he gets finally gets himself a first-team contract. Uh, and let's be real. We made him man of the match. He's my man of the match because of the goal and because of the way he – of his mentality. Yes, there are flaws in what he did. Yes, he made mistakes. <laughs> yes, he did. But he's 20, <laughs> and, like, his willingness to run at people with the ball and without the ball – you know, like he even said, like on the goal he scored, he almost stopped running at one point. He's like, "No, screw that, I'm going," and he ca- and he scored, right? So, look, love that when you're we're talking about a guy coming off the bench when the game had been so flat and so boring and so awful, he went at people, and so for the last five ten minutes of the game, it took him a while to drag Dallas to life, but they finally came back to life at the very end and. And we're able to do some things at the very end. And, and he got that awesome goal. And what a moment for him. You know, that that's why he's the man of the match. Even though Paxson had an overall bigger, strong performance, Kamungo's was so bright and so awesome compared to like what the rest of the team was doing. Uh, you just can't you can't help but love stuff like that because you're right, his story is awesome. 
I, you know, are we going to see a lot of him in a real quick succession? You know, probably not because you still have guys making a million dollars that play some of the same positions. But um, you got to love the progression for the kid. He'll still bounce back and forth between the first team in North Texas. I w- and, yeah. And what a, what a project and what fun it's going to be watching that kid get better. Because, listen, there's a lot of upside here with this kid. A lot of upside. I was uh, delighted for him because it wasn't that long before the goal where he, he badly turned the ball over. Uh, and it led to yeah. a Salt Lake opportunity, and I thought, "Oh no, that's." I hope that doesn't crush his spirit or you know ruin no. it for him for a while. But no, he he got it done. So uh, it's good for him. It's good for the club. It's good for the brand. Uh, yeah. It just continues that narrative that oh, Dallas is really good at growing these kids, and uh, I was I was delighted for him. Uh, yep. For sure. Um, now I have. There's an interesting thing written here in red crayon, and you've even written all of it in capital letters, which tells yeah. me you're very concerned about this buzz. It says big picture, um, and it's spelled P I K T. What is good lord, buzz? And then underneath that, it says where would this team be without Jesus Ferreira? What do yeah. you mean by that? What, for, where, for where, 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 where? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's going on here, Buzz? What do you know that we don't know? Uh, on a pure level, you know, he's got five goals, you know, and the team as a collective only has a tiny bit more than that. That's the big, that, that's my big takeaway. I mean, they, they have 11 total. He literally has half of them, you know, and I, nobody else has more than two. So much of what this team does and the way it plays is built and triggers off of that guy, mm-hmm. right? Think about this quick transition. Uh, think about how great Giovanni looks when he's getting those crosses in. Well, if, if Jesus Ferreira wasn't a really efficient, clean, quick trigger scorer like Jason Christ was, like Jesus also is, if he was a, if he was Yeruti and was blasting one, you know six out of seven <laughs> over, or if he was a guy taking like Mascara taking like five touches in the box. Right, with this team would be horrible. You know, Wait, that, where's your Christian you, Coleman analogy? Come yeah, Christian would have tripped over the ball. So, <laughs> right, or or put it like two inches wide, make the, do everything right, and then not put it in Coleman. But that's the thing. It's like you you said I watched him in as, and it was like bleh. Okay, imagine if he was the nine, the only nine. If Jesus Ferrer wasn't in this team, how bad would this team be? Yeah, the answer is pretty bad. Well, so and, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. He, yeah, that's just the thing is, right, Jesus is probably going to be in the Gold Cup. I don't know squat about it. I'm just assuming he's going to be on the Gold Cup team, right? So he's going to be gone a bit. You know, some of that's going to line up with other tournaments perhaps. I, I don't. I didn't look at the schedule walking in here, but I just worry that so much of what this team does good is predicated on that guy. I mean, he had a bad game. Other than the goal he scored, again, he's doing great things like that. The rest of the game, I thought he was just mediocre for him. And so the whole team was like, bleh, right? I mean, it's just like this game really jumped out at me. Like, man, when Jesus isn't going, this team's not going. So he's the engine and the bus driver at this point. And so you worry about, A, what happens when he's with the U.S., B, what happens if someday they sell him, or C, God forbid, someday he got hurt. You know, so it's just... As a team, collective going forward, especially when Legette and Ariola both are stinking the joint up, in my opinion, this season, you know, they got to figure out something else. And Alan Velasco still hurt. That was part of it. He was missing, you know, so they're going to have to figure out somebody else that can do something. 
I, I think Allen's probably the next best one in terms of how important he is offensively speaking, you know, given the way LeJet and Ariel are going. But, um, you know, and Paxton's not that in-the-box guy yet that we want him to be. That's the next phase for him, perhaps. You know, he's still working on the overall game stuff, you know, as much as he is that last-second stuff. So I just I, I just was watching that game thinking, man, this is what it'll look like when Jesus is gone, too. Yeah, you know, Buzz, maybe uh, we'll find out that Jesus was just simply distracted by finding out his favorite Latina pop star was, uh, you know, <laughs> announcing her breakup on uh, uh, the Costello, uh, Coachella stage earlier in the day, and he was really now, distracted I, by that. Yeah, maybe. I don't know if he cares about those things or not. Uh, you know, they were up and they probably felt RSL was bad. And he probably was, you know, maybe he's thinking about the U.S. game against Mexico coming you up. Know, and, it, you know, it's funny. Yeah. Here's, the, here's the thought I had during the game. You know, in some ways, scoring so early in the game is a great sign because this, you know, we talk a lot about how Nico teams seem to start so sluggishly. Uh, historically. So to come out with a little bit of spirit and score a goal so early was good. But I also yeah. think in many ways it was the worst thing to happen to this game <laughs> yeah. because Dallas just decided to kind of go into this semi-shell against the team that was already going to be in a semi-shell and it just turned into, you know, two, you know, uh, you know, two blocks just kind of banging into each other repeatedly for the next six, you know, 80 minutes or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. It, it wasn't very good. I, I'll tell you one thing I, Enjoy with my conversation with Coach Nico Seves today is Jesus came up and he was like, yeah, he's not a 10. <laughs> I'm like, yes, he's not. And, you know, I said, we've said that for years. He's not his dad. He's Jason Christ. And I don't think that um, Coach knew the expression off striker because I said he's an off striker. And he was like, he's like, yeah, he's that guy that works with the other guy. And maybe he's a little bit, you know, behind or side. I said, yeah, off striker. He's like. Oh yes, off striker. I bet know, there's a Spanish term for that. I'm that, sure there is. You yeah, know, it's like it, it's the guy that becomes a false nine when the other nine is missing, which is exactly what he is. Exactly what we've talked about. He's that. He's not the guy way deep behind in zone 14, as Dan calls it. He's that guy up there with him, the off striker. Yeah, Jason Christ. Mm. You know, so uh, uh, Bobby Ryan was also an off striker when he was a striker. So. But not as good as Jason Christ, no. of course. No. Uh, no. Uh, all right. What else? Uh, since you mentioned you talked to uh, Coach Nico at training today, and you did a podcast preview teaser video that you posted on social media earlier. Um, yeah. Uh, what What from training should we know uh, that uh, that you promised to tell all of us? Well, do you want to know? Do you want to start with the player that was surprisingly good? People, people thought had thought that was fun. I think. Uh, can I take a guess? Yeah, far away. The player that was surprisingly good. And I don't mean like just like, oh, that guy was good. I mean like, holy crap, this guy's amazing. But... <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Well, am I is this is this like a deep cut or is this No, no. No, no, it's a current, you know, current guy. It's, you know. Uh, Edwin. In the mix guy, not not like somebody that you never heard of. Edwin Surio? No, mm. Hadir Obreon. No, freaking way. That's impossible. He scored like every single goal the whole day. Well, now he he's just amazing. burned it all at practice. Well, you know, between the Velasco injury and maybe other guys, like he maybe he recognizes Lejet and Ariel are not playing very well because he was on today. I mean, like, okay, but what does on. on mean with Hadir Obreon? Well, in the big picture of things, this is fascinating to me. They, the coach, asked the grounds crew guys to redo all the lines on the training field this week because of the small fields in New York. So they shrunk the field way down. So all the drills were tight space and they were all rapid transition. 
taking advantage of line breaks, taking advantage of turns of transitional moments, turnover moments, because you're going to get a lot of them in a tight space game like this. Hey, wait a second. Before, before you move on, did you happen yeah. to ask them what they measured the field out at? I said to coach, I said, it's not 78. And he laughed and scoffed. And he was like, no, <laughs> he didn't say what it was, but he said it ain't 70. <laughs> and it's also, they they painted it shorter too. It's like 10 yards shorter than SED's field. And just stay there and stand there looking at it like five yards shorter on each side. You know, I didn't ask him what it was, but they okay. measured it out exactly the same as New York said. It was hysterical how different it was. All right. Well, put a pen in that. We'll come back to it because I don't want to interrupt yeah. your other your other topic. But we do need to talk about that here in a second. Yeah. So, I mean, that was just O'Brien was, was like sometimes when you watch training, guys just have a good day where they are on fire. And O'Brien was on fire today. He just looked at me. If like if, if the play guy played like that all the time, I'd be like, that dude should be starting. OK, because but, he was ridiculously good. Yeah. But what I'm what I'm asking you is, is that for O'Brien to be on for anybody to be really good to me, it has to be more than you're just hitting, putting the ball on frame. It has to be that you're playing well with your teammates. You're playing well within the system and the structure. That's where I get frustrated by O'Brien is that I I just feel like he's a guy out there doing his own thing and he doesn't work within the system that he's been getting paid to play within. <laughs> yeah. That's my cowbell analogy. Well, the caveat was that um, most of it was not like big, huge, full field stuff. Now, again, when you shrink the field down, there's not going to be nearly as much of that stuff. There's going to be a whole lot of transition. The ball's going to be loose a lot. you know. And he was really good about uh, either running into – spaces and where teammates could take advantage or picking up balls or just, you know, just all of it was good. Combinations yeah. were good. Recovery was good. Effort was good defensively in terms of high pressing when they were triggering, you know, it just was really good. Uh, you know, so good that I'm like, if that dude played like that every game, he would be a starter here, you know, but he doesn't clearly. So, and will, will he be good this weekend? Who the hell knows, man? Cause honestly in training this year, he's been crap most of the time, you know, the, the first half of the season, really, uh, season to this point, I think he could tell that he wasn't really in the conversation, you know, that he was out of it pretty much. And he knew, and he knew young guys coming through were doing really well. But maybe now he's sensing there's a moment here. You know, even other guys were telling him how good he was, and coach told him how good he was doing. So super weird when it, but, you know, mentality and confidence and everything really matters, man. So hopefully he does a good job this weekend. We'll see. Well, uh, well, which, yeah, for me, I just think he's largely been kind of absent and ineffectual this season. Yeah. Like maybe we just totally haven't seen agree. a lot of him, uh, no. which is maybe worse than being bad. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. It's kind of weird. So I guess that's going to take us to the game against New York uh, NYCFC this weekend up on the tiny pitch, which we'll talk about here yeah. in a little bit, which is all right. So what do you, how do you think considering Paxton and Jesus are with the national team tonight? Uh, we're recording on Wednesday. Uh, this will get released Thursday morning. How do you think, um, you know, uh, the lineup's going to look? Well, one of the things they were working on today was um, changing formations in the run of play, basically. Like being able to flex shapes mm -hmm. and be able to swing mid-game for, for stretches of it from one shape to another shape. Um, which one they're going to use to start with and which one you'll see most of the time. Well, I, I would kind of be guessing at this point because I think it'll depend on who they have available and, and how the game's sort of going. In terms of Paxson and Jesus, that obviously will man, man, uh, matter a lot in terms of how much they each play. The hardest part about this scenario for them is that they will be traveling back to Dallas on Thursday. They'll be back for a Friday walkthrough or whatever because there won't be many play. Now, Coach said both of those guys are good enough players and smart enough players that you can just give them 
the mental notes and write it down on paper and they'll be like, got it. And they can do it fine. No problem. They don't need to practice it. So if they feel good and don't play too much because on Friday, then they're turning around and flying to New York. Right. So mm -hmm. those two flights are going to be the hardest part of the recovery of those guys. So like if one or the other of them starts and plays like 70, 80 minutes, man, that's going to be really difficult to turn around and play and start on the weekend. But if a guy plays 20 to 30 minutes, uh, no problem. Mm. So, you know, watch the game tonight or look at the box score in the morning. Uh, and you'll be able to tell maybe whether you think either one of those two guys can go. I mean, obviously if Jesus can't go, then Jimenez is going to be the guy at the nine, you know, will they stick with the four, four, two? That depends on whether, you know, do you like legit in that space? Do you like Obrian in that space is the other guy with Jimenez, you know, some of that'll come down to coaching decisions. This guy likes to make choices late in the week. Um, stress points, uh, you know, of course, Giovanni's got the right back spot at this point. I think Nicosi will be back in for sure. I can't imagine he'll be out. Uh, Facundo versus Edwin. The tight space would benefit Facundo in terms of the lack of mobility, but um, Edwin has a really strong ability to take a hit and shield the ball and then dribble away from that pressure. That ability to relieve pressure, I think, will really play well in a small space environment so i'm kind of leaning edwin but then again i always lean edwin so i always try and take my brain that my edwin desires out of it uh, but i still think he makes a little bit more sense because of that ball protection that he has um and then the real questions are you know Ariola's hamstring he he took part in training 100 today but definitely is not 100 he definitely to me looks a slightly off the pace the jet just looks flat like he has all year hmm. you know uh velasco did not participate in training coach said later that ariel and velasco are day-to-day -day. it'll be determined later in the week whether those guys can go so i mean ariel went today so i don't know why he wouldn't be able to go velasco did not go today so maybe he's 50 50 so there's a lot of questions about what you might do velasco will be really good in the tight space of this game um you know his ability to dig a couple of guys and break through a line would be, would play really well. Um, Ariola, his game less benefits you in this environment, I think, because his, his big thing is his movement when he aggressively tries to go at people. And again, like Kamungo did when he came in that game, it's not that he has pace. It's just that he applies pressure because of his skill. So um, there's a lot to be determined this week. Um, but I think, I think most of it will be the same kind of systems. Dallas has played a lot. You know, that the base 4-3-3, we've seen that 4-2-3-1, which is a different version of that, you know, once or twice. And then we've seen that 4-4-2 a lot lately. Jesus or not is going to be a big key for that, you know, and we'll find out tonight based on how much he plays. So that's the best answer I can give you right now. All right. Well, uh, your comment about Legette looking flat, I I, I know yeah, right. we, we all have. Look, I certainly have had a lot of uh, fun uh, you know, referencing the whole situation and, and just kind of the overtop ridiculousness of it. But we all I, I, I can fully understand that the wear and tear, the mental wear and tear and the and the attitude issues that are going to come out of a guy who is so publicly this whole thing is happening so publicly and because of his own it, you know, I'm I'm going to assume this is all a byproduct of his own actions is is going to impact him and his ability to perform on yeah. the field it just is it's gonna but it but 
setting aside your uh, concerns for him as a human being and turning around and being a fan of the club, it's like, okay, that's all too bad, Sebastian. But <laughs> so yeah. we, but we gotta we gotta win some soccer games, and you gotta start playing better, or we gotta figure out how we're gonna get past yeah. this. And so it is something everybody's just gonna have to keep an eye on moving forward. I think. Yeah, it's not just that too. Let's not forget that he, you know, traditionally plays a lot of wing. And now they've moved him as this free eight kind of position. And then when they went 4-4-2, he got dumped. And then he got moved out to sort of an old school, you know, wide midfield, you know, winger-ish, midfielder-ish kind of thing. So there's been a couple of shifts in his responsibilities. Again, all that's happening while he's having these other on-field issues. You know, so it's not surprising the guy's not clicking on all cylinders. Again, also, he just turned 30. You know, so you remember in the, in the preseason, uh, people were talking about him coming in as like the best shape of his life. Well, then he had like multiple injuries in the spring and didn't play a single preseason game, right? Mm-hmm. He, he missed all of them. So maybe he was late getting into the groove of the season and getting fit. And maybe, so there's lots of things going on here, lots of little bit of stuff, and it all kind of adds up to a flatness. But yeah. you're right. You know, eventually you got to get him going. You have a team now that has an extra striker in Jimenez. You have these wings. Obram did well today. Kamingo did well in the game the other day. You got other people, different formations. Nobody's a lock anymore. If he doesn't consistently perform and doesn't show in training, he's going to start not playing as much, you know, and that can spiral into a downhill thing. Some of that comes down to coach management. Coach is going to have to manage a guy that's going to be important as we come through the next two months of the season. Yeah, but it's also critical to remember that Leggett was is a key component to their plan for this being a successful season. Totally. Right? Yeah. Like they can't just afford to have him go into a mental dump because he's broke up with his fiance uh and and expect to uh achieve the goals they had this year. He's just too critical in my mind uh to, to what they had oh, planned. Yeah. No, he was a massive part of it. I think most you and I both picked him to be the assist leader on this team and right now I think he's got what none. I, I don't have that open right in front of me. Let me look real quick. Yeah. So um, I, you know what I mean. You, you know what yeah. I'm saying. It's just. I it's, totally yeah. agree. Yeah. Um, okay. Interestingly, I just saw that it was uh, tweeted out that Keaton Parks, the Frisco kid, also got a national team call up. He's oh. on the list. So somebody must have gotten. Somebody else must have left. So. Well, Dan. Uh, oh, okay. Well, so that's interesting because not only is it interesting from the aspect that he's a Dallas area kid, but he also is a key component to uh, NYCFC. Um, so if he gets time, maybe they he doesn't yeah. start on, on Saturday. So uh, something to add there. Uh, and I noted I will never play for FC Dallas guy. Uh, yes, that's right. He's, because of Mondo Plus. That's right. <laughs> because of what? Because of Armando Plus, uh, the coach uh, yes. that was the one from the infamous press conference moment. He coached Keaton's first academy team. Yes, uh, team. yes. You can yeah. find out more about Mr. Plus in the uh, famous <laughs> The List article over at thirddegree.net. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, all right. Let's, well, I got one more thing for training I want to oh, talk about. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So, one of the things that I've talked to Coach about for two weeks now is the upcoming schedule of the next two months, May and June, because the Open Cup starts and that puts a added load. And so effectively, like if you look through the next two months and if you win a game or two in the open cup, you're looking at a team that's going to be playing basically every three days for like two straight months. And so that's what I meant about man management. So you're going to see over the next couple of weeks and into the next two months, you will see from time to time randomly a player start that you might be shocked to see start. You'd be like, what the, 
Whether it might be like Nikosi sitting this last weekend, maybe there's going to come a game where Sam Junka is going to start instead of Farfan. There's going to come a game where Ima Tomasi is going to start instead of Giovanni Jesus and go through the whole team. You're going to see this happen because no one can play every three game, every three days for, you know, uh, 10 weeks. So they're going to have to manage the roster. And then you, after that, you're going to have the league's cup thing. And depending on how far you go on that, et cetera, et cetera. You know, if you, if you crap out of that, you'll get a little break, but you know, uh, man management and rotation is going to factor in over the next several weeks and over the next month and a half to two months. So just expect every once in a while, oddly to see a person you're like, what the hell? That'll be why, you know, you will probably not pause, pause will probably go every game, but everybody else probably will take a break. Like you'll see Paxton probably not start a game somewhere along the line soon. I would imagine. To pick back up on the uh, uh, field size uh, topic from a little bit ago, just mm. uh, now the game, don't forget, is not being played at Yankee Stadium. It's being played at the Mets Stadium, City Field over yep. in Queens, which, uh, by the way, is adjacent to where they're building, or at least in theory, are going to go. And I'm doing very, very large air quotes with my fingers. Right. Uh, build their, their stadium here sometime before uh, the turn of the decade. <laughs> giggle snort um uh is the fact that because it is a baseball stadium it's going to be this weird um <laughs> demented field size and you were talking about how dallas had re and, and this is something all teams do is that they reline their own practice field to try to account for it uh glenn crooks who is not related to dan crook uh is the uh, radio guy for nycfc and he's a really really nice guy and i and he makes a a regular effort to try to uh, promote the fact that the field at Yankee Stadium is a proper seventy by one ten, and I yeah, no, and it always makes me <laughs> cringe a little bit because I really like Glenn, and I know he's doing the 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 good soldier bit, um, but there there's no, and I don't know how much it changes when it goes to City Field. I don't know if there's some more room. I don't. Maybe it's bigger at City Field than it is at Yankee Stadium, but there's just no way that field is seventy yards wide. Uh, at Yankee Stadium, it, you don't have to be uh, a grounds expert to just eyeball that thing and go, "Yeah, oh my God, that thing no, is tiny." Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, it's you know, it's you and I have looked at this, and everybody else has looked at this, you know, over the time, and they make minor adjustments here and there. The goal is the same size, of course, but maybe the goal box is a little bit smaller, and then maybe the penalty box is a little bit smaller, and the ten yards. The hash mark for the 10 yards is not actually 10 yards. It's more like eight, you know? So like you can look at it from a wide angle and go, well, it looks normal. But if you line that thing up and like actually do some real measurements, or if you just eyeball it and have eyeballed enough soccer fields, it's there's that every player and every coach knows it's not, they don't make a big deal about it because I'm sure the league told them not to, you know, like coach today didn't actually say like how much smaller it really is, but we had a laugh and a chuckle about the idea that someone said it was 70. You know, it's not. It's more 68, 67. Oh, know, I don't even think really, it's that wise, Buzz. Yeah, I think it's yeah. closer to 65, but uh, yeah. that, that you know. Um, yeah, we, wherever you want to, you know, whatever hill you want to die on and how big it really is is up to you as whether you think believe the club or not. You know, I just – I look at it and I watch the games on it and there's no way in hell that well, it's 70. We can all agree you know? that it's not big enough. How about that? Yeah, right? it's not, not what it needs to be. No. Yeah. And, you know, you would think to yourself, 65 versus Dallas is what, 71? Like, 
What's six yards? Well, it's not just that it's more narrow, and that six yards is a lot. It is. Yeah, it's a lot in a soccer field. It's also that it's short, right? It's like it's 10 yards shorter than like what FC Dallas's field is. So that's that shrinks your ability to play that little over-the-top ball. Everybody that comes in there plays mid-blocks or high-blocks, and so you just get this pinball machine effect of because it crushes the space in terms of the width because everybody plays a four across that six yards crushes that space down it takes about a yard and a half out of each one of the gaps each one of the vertical gaps it takes about a yard and a half to two yards out of each one of the lines horizontally in terms of your shape that makes it really really difficult to play through there turns it into a pinball game it makes it probably look like the last game looked Mm -hmm. you know depending on how much new york presses and how much dallas presses back you know, gang impresses or whatever version of pressing you prefer, you know, that it's going to look like a really, either a really boring lollygag or it's going to look like a pinball machine. One or the other, it's not going to look like sexy soccer. Six thirty. Don't forget it's on the East coast. So it's a six thirty start. It is on Apple TV and it is one of the free games this weekend. So you don't have to have MLS season pass, um, uh, to, to watch the game. You just got to log into the app and, and get it for the free. Okay, so that's at 6.30. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention real quickly, and I actually uh, brought this up with Andy on the radio show on Saturday, is the fact that I, I continue to contend uh, the most underreported story that is going on in this media, sports media market at this moment is the fact that after you know, 20 plus years of being the butt of every major league soccer attendance joke you could possibly imagine. Uh, Not only did Dallas uh, field more sellouts, and we'll talk about that specifically here in a second, last season than all previous Toyota Stadium slash Pizza Hut Park seasons combined. This season in 2023, they now are officially have sold out four of their five home games and and I and I think that is a substantial thing for all of us to take note and celebrate because of all of the reasons and uh, ridiculousness that has gone on about the location of the stadium and this gym jam and the other. Um, and I and I and I just think everybody. I wish. I hope at some point, maybe it'll happen when it gets further into the season and they've continued to have this sellout streak or sellout run um, that, you know, some other people in the media will pick up on it. Yeah, you. I think we absolutely have to give a lot of credit to this organization. You know, granted, perhaps it was all triggered, triggered by the Ricardo Pepe sell and the money coming in. Or maybe just over time, they finally recognized that if they did certain things, and I, and I still think Austin FC – you know, whether you want to credit them or not, their oh, success I agree. definitely poked FC Dallas's ownership and said, hey, wake up, because they have been different in every phase of the organization. Now, they're not hitting on 100%, but they're hitting at a very high rate. And a lot of it is paying off. And we're seeing things, even if it's just in terms of getting people in the stands, that place is filling up at a higher rate. You know, the, the advertising they're doing is spreading and I'm seeing it in places I've never seen it before in the Metroplex. I've heard discussion that they're even going to roll it out even further in terms of more signage and advertising around because they're finding it is being successful. It's so crazy that I now sit in games and I want, instead of wondering, like thinking to myself, man, this is embarrassing. I'm now sitting there thinking, man, when are they going to have to expand this thing? 
You yeah. know, when are they, they're going to need a new <laughs> bigger stadium pretty soon. Because if, if you're selling out every game, you're going to need to add 10,000 seats, man, because you, you don't want to be selling out every game. You want to be close to selling out every game. But, you know, you're leaving ticket money on the floor if you're sold out every game. Yeah. You know, up to a certain point, of course, there gets to be an absurdity to the thing. But, you know, you do want to have a scarcity uh, that helps keep your demand high and you can raise ticket prices and all that jazz. But there's going to come a time if they continue this where you have to have a discussion about that. And there's just, we just have to give them credit because every phase of the organization, in my opinion, has improved. Now, they're not perfect by any means. There's still a long way to go. They're still lagging behind a lot of their teams in other in some of these areas. But there's a renewed area, new sorry, a new renewed effort in every area. And a lot of it is really taking off. I can't tell you how many times I walk around the facilities now uh, and see coaches, or at least I think they're coaches, that I've never seen before. People they're hiring people that are doing jobs out there. And I don't mean like grounds guys. I mean like guys wearing like the full blown coaching gear and stuff. I'm like, who the hell's that? You know, they're, they're hiring people. They're doing things. I have a couple more suggestions if they want to ask, but uh, it's just remarkable. The transformation of this club in the last two seasons, I, I'm not even going to go say three. I'm going to say last two seasons, you know, triggered most vividly by the new VP of marketing is the most obvious change Man, what what a joy it is to see it paying off. Yeah, I should also address the matter of what a sellout means because I think if you watch the game on TV, or I'm assuming if because I was not there, but on TV it was pretty obvious there was a significant section of seats in the I think it was the the the, the southeastern section uh, on the on the east side that had a, a significant portion of seats that were just missing. I'm going to guess that means somebody bought a bunch of seats like a company for an outing and they didn't attend because it was almost a very specific square set of seats that were just empty. It was a weird sight. I'm sure it looked weird in the stadium yeah. too. But again, sellouts means tickets sold or distributed, not who shows up at the stadium uh, and puts butts in seats. So uh, you can take that for what it's worth because lots of teams over the years have found loopholes and used that definition to their advantage to kind of define sellouts. But make no uh, make no doubt about it. What is going on in Frisco is a significant update up, oh. upgrade from what had been going on for the previous 15 years in terms of uh, of that. And related to your 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 your, your uh, request about filling it up, now I think this is really when you begin to really dream about the idea of them getting rid of that unused, largely unused uh, car lot called the stage yeah. uh, and putting a safe standing section in there, a proper safe standing section for all the supporters groups uh, to go in there. Like we have now seen in a lot of these more modern MLS stadiums. Yeah. The, there is a revenue stream from the stage that has to be figured out, but that definitely is the space that's ripe for something. And yes, like a legit vertical safe standing. On the other hand, hunt seems to really love having the supporters be around that entrance on the South side. So uh, there's a bounce there and I don't have an answer for that. Um, you're right about the butts and seats part. Maybe that's the next phase is getting people to actually show because you know, there, I agree with you completely that probably that block that was noticeable probably was a company that was like bought out a thousand seats and said, who wants them? And like 10 people said, yes, you know, that's part of it too. Brand awareness, brand building, recognition, you know, desire to come to the games. Those are all important things to keep building for this organization. You know, that'll help 
but to go from announced 15,000, really 10,000 in the stadium to now announced sellout and now 17 of 19 actually full, like 90% actually full versus like 40% actually full mm-hmm. is astounding. And I, you know, I, I used to be able to, like I, my wife and I have a season ticket. And then if I'm not, if I'm in town, I grab another ticket from somebody, I buy it or whatever. I used to just go to the ticket people and go, hey, stick us two together somewhere. They go, yeah, no problem. But now it's a problem. Now getting them to shift me is almost impossible. You know, I used to be able to, we used to be able to just move around until we found two seats. That's not really hard to do. All signs that the thing is really filling up. Uh, and it's tough for me, but great for them. And I, I love seeing it. And I love seeing this club making traction and doing good things. It's exciting. All right. Again, 630 on Apple TV. It is the free game, Dallas at NYCFC. And then uh, to end the pod today, Buzz, North Texas was back at it. I understand that yep. you have good news to report this week. <laughs> Well, they put they took Nolan Norris back down and they got Carl Sante back. Those two things made a huge difference and they quit bleeding goals. So those were big wins uh, for, for that team. Um, Carl Sante is the Haitian kid. He's 20 years old that they got from uh, New Mexico. Um, I understand Matt Denny actually discovered him. So credit to Matt Denny, uh, a guy that might get to MLS. He's got some things to clean up, but a 20-year-old that gets cats for his national team is worth taking note of. Right now, the first team, they have Edwin and Facundo, you know, so there's plenty of bodies and money already locked up there. But when one of those guys has been missing, they've called Carlin to first team right away to train. So he's he's definitely on that level. And then Nolan, of course, I wanted to mention him because funny enough, in training today, they used Nolan as a six, eight combination kind of player. Hmm. So Nolan is smart enough and his feet are good enough to do that. And when I actually asked coach, I was like, that's really weird. He goes, well, he said, Nolan's still growing. He just turned 18 in February. So he said, we're not sure where his eventual physicality is going to be. We're not sure yet if he's going to get what size he's going to be and how quick he's going to be. So we're continuing to use him in spots that'll press his foot skills and his passing ability. It might be that he ends up being more of a six, eight kind of player. It might be that he's going to be a center back. You know, he came up as a left, but they also used him as a six in, in the Academy all the time. So the kid is a really quality player. That's why they signed him. But this happens when you sign these late teenagers just as they're coming out of high school. The maturity between 18 to 20 to 22, you know, this is the difference. It makes a massive, huge difference in the NFL. Well, it still matters for these kind of kids too. You know, they're still trying to figure out what Nolan's going to end up being as a player. You know, this, this happens with these teenagers. So, um, Again, he's so good that like his presence back in the North Texas team just immediately fixed all their defensive problems. <laughs> and then one other change, they made it outside back, which is weird. I, I want to do a thing on the website coming up soon about the foreign players that they brought in over the first, is it now four seasons for North Texas and, and how the quality of that may or may not be. But um, just generally speaking, they play at home Friday night, North Texas, since FC Dallas is out of town. I would encourage everyone to go out to the North Texas game on Friday it is a pretty good level of play. It's the best soccer you're going to find in this town other than SC Dallas. So you should go. It's a fun experience. That, uh, if you're anywhere near Arlington, that is. You may not want to drive an hour to get there or anything. But no, everybody lives much closer to Arlington than they do Frisco, Buzz. You know yeah, apparently, yes. <laughs> I do. Well, you do. Yeah. I do love that like, I five minutes of the game's over, I'm up at my house. So yeah. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you do. Yeah. Very good. All right. Anything else for this particular episode of the pod that you'd like to get into? Well, Frisco, uh, the city of Frisco did a FC Dallas day, and they honored <laughs> the three 
um, teams that won Dallas Cup groups, which is there was one of the, on the girls' side. I think it's 06. Oh, they're going to be mad at me get that wrong. ECNL, which is the top level. And then the 12s and 13s for the boys won. And so they were all honored at like a city presentation. So like all those three teams were like up in front of whoever. That was, I just thought that was really cool, you know, for those kids to get that kind of recognition from the city of Frisco. Yeah, I think so. it is the 06 girls team because uh, uh, a teammate of mine oh. on my Sunday league, his daughter, Holly Storer, is the, uh, she's the one that hit the the, the, the double yeah. banger. She's <laughs> she's so good. <laughs> she's really, really I, uh, good. Yeah, he was bragging on her. I forgot to tell you this, Peter. I was going to open with this, and it totally slipped my mind. What? You know, you've talked about that young girl, Holly, and your teammate, Wayne. Yeah. I played in high school with Wayne. You played with Wayne? Wayne and I were at Lamar High School together. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I'll he's have... either the exact class as me or maybe one year. I think he's my same class from Lamar. I mean, I think we literally played together in high school and maybe even on some rec teams. Yeah. Know? So, like, I've no, I mean, I, I, he and I have not been like close buddies since we were kids or anything, but just like I played Little League Baseball with Corby Davidson, I played high school soccer with, I'll show you my team picture sometime with Wayne in it. Um, okay. From my. Lamar soccer glory benchwarming days. Yeah, it's one of the best things about playing with the group of guys that I play with is all these guys have kids of high school to college age. Not all of them, but many of them have uh, kids that are high school, college age that are all really good players. Uh, and uh, she's Holly is one that uh, she scored a couple of great goals in the Dallas Cup last year. She did it this year. I can't remember if she's recruited to go somewhere, but Wayne is a great guy. By the way, he's a really good player himself and a good human being. Yes, he uh, he's a great dude. That's an awesome deal. And it was funny related to this yesterday. San Diego Loyal, or do they pronounce it loyal, loyal. or loyal? It's just loyal. loyal. Okay, San Diego Loyal. Uh, uh, put out a, a, a promotional tweet with Camden Riley, who is this redheaded kid who plays for them in the USL championship. Well, Camden uh, is a kid that played at Pacific. He is he's a, a really good baller himself. He got drafted by Kansas City. We actually had him on the kick around when he got drafted by Kansas City because he's from here. He played at uh, at Flower Mound uh, and uh, for the Texans. But he is the son of one of my other teammates, Mike Riley, uh, and his brother Brian, who both play on our team. Are their interesting claim to fame is that they were living in New, in the New York area way back when, and they both attended. Pele's original inaugural game in the United States at mm. Randall Island, ironically against the Dallas Tornado. And they actually still have their tickets and stuff from, from being at that game as kids wow. way back in the 70s. Isn't that cool? That is cool. Yeah. That's a fun ticket to have. Yeah. I, I, I went to some Dallas Tornado games when I was a kid, when I was about 11 or 12 over there when they played at Cowboys. I think it was only one season they played there at Irving Stadium. In, um, yeah, Texas Stadium. The, yeah. Yeah, Texas Stadium. Uh, yeah. We're old enough to remember those glory days of North, the horrible North American soccer league. Yeah, so I've uh, I've driven us way off course. I apologize, <laughs> yeah. and I'm 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 uh, ruminating on my personal life. And I'm sure everybody stopped listening to the pod five minutes ago. But I, I just thought that was uh, interesting that you you play with Wayne. That's really cool. Cool to see a kid in the USL. And yeah, I'm sure Wayne could easily tell you that he was a much better player than me in high school. Um, I was a terrible player at that stage of my career I, because fear is the mind killer. 
it wasn't until I got in college that I realized that I was just as good as anybody else and learned how to actually play. Yeah. But he's a good player. Uh, related to Camden, since you mentioned that, Camden got drafted by Kansas City. He played with Swope Park for a little bit, left, got frustrated. I th Well, I shouldn't say that. I don't want to say he got frustrated. He left Swope Park, ended up going and playing at, what's the what's the Rio Grande team? Rio Grande, yeah, RGB. Yeah, RG yeah. yeah, he played there for a bit and then got an opportunity to go play for Landon Donovan in San Diego. And while yeah. Landon is no longer the manager of that particular club, he raved about Landon as a manager. Absolutely loved playing for Landon. So just, you know, something to keep an eye on. Maybe Landon's I think Mayland Landon would be a great manager of in a national team environment. Um, I don't know that he's interested in that, but I think he'd be really good with that, you know, not full time of like coming in and out kind of vibe yeah. and player identification. I think that would be his sweet spot if he was interested. I'm not saying give him the national team job. I'm just saying in that environment, you start him as an assistant or with the 20s or something like that. I think he'd be really good if that was his desire, but I'm not sure it is or not. I can't certainly can't speak for yeah, I don't think anybody can ever really <laughs> pin Landon down on what he wants to do with his uh, professional life at any particular Well, he probably moment. has enough money. He doesn't care. Yeah, probably. probably. Like, like uh, Dempsey doesn't care. Yeah, probably not. Third Review the Podcast is brought to you by Soccer90.com, your place for FC Dallas, North Texas Soccer Club gear, and U.S. national team gear. And that includes the new FC Dallas One Planet kit. That's this year's MLS Adidas Parlay Ocean Plastic Material, Recycled Material. What a great project that is. It's a new way to do kits. They've been doing it for a couple of years now in the league. Dallas's this year is really good. Use code 3rd degree at checkout. Get 20% off your entire order. And I believe it works on that kit. Some exclusions do apply. All right. Uh, then if there is nothing else, Buzz, thank you, sir, again for your time and efforts and hard work. And everybody loves you. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks for hosting, and thanks for helping me fill up with Dan missing. Yeah. all uh, Well, hopefully Dan will be back sometime soon and, and fill us with his merry and British cheer, as he always does. Uh, thank you, FC Dallas Curious fan. We will speak to you next week in another episode of Third Degree, the podcast. Go, Luton. Third Degree, the Third Degree, the podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree, the podcast. Third Degree. Third degree, the third degree never care.